International. Hey guys, welcome to Leading the Blind. Thanks for joining us again this week. And this week we have uh, an awesome uh, episode that I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, we interviewed Matt Bearden this week, and I feel pretty cool just that he uh, agreed to do our podcast. And he had a lot to say. He was very opinionated, maybe maybe the most opinionated so far of all of our guests. And not only did he ha- uh, have things... Uh, positive advice, if you will, things to do. He also had a lot of things that he wanted people to stop doing. So um, that's my favorite kind of advice. And so, yeah, I think you're going to love the episode. Enjoy. One hour at a time. <laughs> exactly. And you know, uh, Ariel explained to you what the show's about and everything. No. Like did that. I? No. No. <laughs> I mean, you, you did essentially. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You said it's uh, uh, you're doing a podcast mm-hmm. asking people specifically about comedy yeah mm-hmm. but I, f- I felt like it was more of the um, less how do you write a joke and more right. how did you how do you get somewhere yeah yeah how do you get somewhere exactly well because there are there are how do you write a joke podcasts of various sorts and there are some how did you get somewhere podcasts and i've been uh, turned on to some since we started releasing these um, and they're great but it doesn't seem like there are really any that are for new comics especially gotcha. in the first five-ish years that is that what we're thing. looking at is that who i'm talking to today? yeah i think that first five-ish years yeah yeah but yeah like, i oh. mean not that it has to uh, completely be that because it's also looking into the future for those comics but Actually, I was just reading... Well, I'll be honest. If, you, yeah. if it's six years in and you haven't figured it out, it is yeah. time to pack it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in terms that's of... I don't mean to be cruel, that's but That's going to be uh, one of my questions. Yeah. Like, when, when's yeah, the time to quit? Yeah, tell us who should quit. Oh. But they need to keep coming to open mics and I've been... Now that I'm a parent, I've tried to learn how to be kinder and gentler and care more about people, and it has really destroyed who I used to be for a very <laughs> long time, because uh, I really... There was a part of me that loved being a very shallow and callous person, and um, yeah. and I, I miss him. I miss him dearly. <laughs> Did well, you officially old. retire him, or was it sort of like you just... He just slowly faded away. Yeah, I just yeah. sort of grew you out of it. And then leave the house I, I do a lot of this. I do a lot of plugging into the text box on Facebook um, exactly how I feel and right before I hit send going that's mm, not important it's not important it's not important to fix this it's not important to fix this or to even get involved these two people will either figure it out or they won't and then it just never gets sent um, that's the communication I have then I t- was talking to somebody who is an engineer at Facebook and, and said oh you know all that is saved in your account um, the way that the it, oh, they Facebook is constantly yeah. talking, so it knows what you type in and what you erase. Yeah, it's part of how it uses the algorithm to figure yeah. out which ads to show you. Oh, crap. So, um, did you tell them like, no, thank you, you don't need to do that? Well, I like <laughs> it because Facebook knows what a cunt I used yeah. to be, uh, and then I would try to not be anymore. So at least somebody at least out there can, is still knows the old me. You have some real evidence of that trajectory mm-hmm. to like. Mm-hmm. I want access to it again. But I think, actually, like, maybe some, like, hard lessons are good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because I see a lot of people where I'm like, you you mentioned six years into it. Like, I go to a lot of open mics, and I'm like, I can't imagine this person 
is going to get funny. Hmm. And do you, is that real to you? Do you think there are people that just cannot do this? Cannot? Absolutely. Okay. And what? It's not, a, it's a meritocracy. Yeah, it's yeah. not a democracy. And, yeah. and, and there is a new, I say new. When I say new, I mean, it didn't exist before when I was close to comedy. Uh, so, and I started getting close to it in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Bef- so it may have existed before that, but I really don't think it did. There wasn't this idea that everyone has a voice and everyone has an opportunity. Mm. It just didn't exist. Now, yeah. there were some bad things about that because it meant that it was a, a white boys club for the most part. Um, and so I like that we've expanded that. But I still think that the the key should be, are, are you funny? Yeah. I've met comics who say, well, what I really want to do is I really want to, um, I feel I consider myself to be like a philosopher and I really want to change the world. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> you should find a change the world club yeah. <laughs> as opposed to a comedy club and go work there. I think that's a better place for you. Yeah, that's an or- that's already a thing too. Like that's not, it's not like you need to prostitute comedy out You mean being in that. academia? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. but your audience is very small. <laughs> yeah, and they, those people are kind of awful. That's what I was yeah. going to do before this and the, the people are just not but it's the same. It's the same structure. All the money's going to the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but they, <laughs> here's, the difference for me is in academia. They can kind of just stop you. You know, it's they can. If you don't get um, invited to the PhD program, if you don't get a tenure track position, you are done. Well, but people used to stop each other in stand up more more than they do now. Really. I'm only speaking to this scene. I'm, I'm hoping sure. that... I mean, I did a little research into your podcast. I listened to uh, the beginnings of episodes, so I knew what you were kind of doing. And I, I, I feel like this would be worth, uh, a valuable thing to people in other scenes as well, with exclusion mm-hmm. probably of uh, LA and New York, but yeah. uh, what I would call the, the B and C and D scenes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I can only speak to Austin scene because I've been out... I've, I left the road 10 years ago, uh, eight years ago. So I don't even know who is what and where anymore outside of Austin or what yeah. yeah yeah Austin's where I'm uh, I'm close to but I can speak to growing a scene I mean I feel like I have a, a lot of experience there I've r- run clubs in the town and I've invested clubs in the town and I've been here for a long time yeah. and I feel like I have a lot of my personal well I'm ashamed to say this but some of my personal worth is wrapped up in the, how successful this scene gets and um, but you ha- you said uh, that comics used to have a way of kind of stopping each other like in some sort of like yeah that's complicated because the scene Austin does it people talk about the Austin comedy scene and I think it's a bit of a misnomer because there's not one scene here anymore there are multiple scenes it is it's become a it it was a giant glacier and uh, it has now calved many smaller scenes there's some benefits to that and I think there's some real big drawbacks but when we were a single unified I don't know 30 40 person scene um, you did not miss the Thursday night Velveeta Room show, and where whichever town you're in, you probably have the main. Your especially if it's a smaller scene, you have the main open mic, right? And everyone went, everyone went, and you watched everyone set because it was the day that everyone was debuting their babies from that week, all of the stuff they had written during the week, and that room was a really brutal, brutal, brutal That's room. That's what I hear. And uh, it was uh, it was cruel. It was cruel. But your... Was it fair? I think it was very fair. Okay. Cause I think it was very fair yeah. and I think it was very good. And what happened is nobody ever... It wasn't such an authoritarian state in there that someone said, you can't do stand-up. <laughs> I never saw anyone say, you're not allowed to do. Now, I'm sure they said, you can't do, you can't do this. <laughs> you're incapable. And I think what no they meant was, you're, you're, you're not doing what you're think you're, you think you're doing. Yeah. 
But what I did see is there was a natural way that you could move somebody kindly out of the scene. And that was they always went last on the list. Yeah. And there were no other out there were no other outlets. You had the Velveeta room open mic and then you had the open mic at Cap City. But people were more careful at Cap City because management was watching and you didn't really want to fuck anything up. Yeah. The Velveeta was a playroom. You could go one of the best things I ever saw was that uh, Pat Oswalt was there one night and he said the one reason I love the Velveeta room is that it's like a flight simulator because you take a joke and you go, I wonder what would happen if I wreck this joke into that fucking mountain. Oh, <laughs> now I know. Now I wonder what happens if I take this joke and I buzz the tower. He's like, it is, it, you're, you're, you're allowed to play in this room in a way that you can't in a lot of other places. That's changed, not all for the bad. In fact, um, the guy who's running the Velveeta now, Marion, has done yeah. a fucking fantastic job. The scene's changed a whole lot, so it's, it, it, it needed to, it, what that club needed to be needed to change too. But, my point of that is you used to you got fed up and you got tired of going at the end of the list and you said fuck all these guys and fuck this scene and yeah. you left you left and no one had to say to you you're not good you're not going to get better and I know that some people say well who are you to say if someone's going to get better or not and I think that that is a really dumb <laughs> thing for people to it, it, there is this we have gotten of it it's a very soft I'm not I'm not saying that people need to be mean or cruel to each other there are other ways to do it but no one has ever the there is no Rudy in the NFL. Right. They don't just let somebody play because they say, well, this guy tries really hard. He comes to all the practices and, you know, he's watched, he has he has all the Super Bowls taped. He watches them all the time. Yeah. And he's really nice and he buys us uh, creatine. So why wouldn't we let him play <laughs> on a cage? That doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. It just doesn't happen. And strangely, and I've seen it over the last few years, there's this... Um. I'm, boy, I'm way ahead of where I want it to be right now. But the, when the scene started to grow here, a thing started to happen. I'm thinking in my head. Can we put a marker here and come back to Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. yeah. When the scene started. Am I running too fast? No, you're Do you have good. questions no, you want to ask? I got plenty of questions, but I, you're doing very well. I did want to say, so that's something that you, you know people have talked about that... Um, you know, everyone going to to the Valve, everyone going and watching everybody, and not not talking in the back and then leaving and going to the next mic and going to the next mic, and so. But now that there is so much stage time, mics and shows, I mean, it's it would be really hard for me to be like, okay, I'm going to go. You know, I can I can try to. Would you basically would you give advice like? Um, is there anything like that where you should watch everybody's set at the Velve or you should always go to Cap and watch everybody's set or you should always, you know, everyone should make sure that they are watching a full show on the weekends at Cap or is there anything that, you know, that you could say that you should be doing? I think that you should be going to every weekend show at, at Cap. They let you in for free and I don't know why you wouldn't go see every headliner. They're the people that are doing what you want to do yeah. and I think if you go see one show, you're cheating yourself because it's watching a comic work different audiences yeah. is where you really learn um i started doing really horrible bar improv is where i started mm -hmm. uh, i graduated from college i went from living in downtown austin to the suburbs and when i say the suburbs this is old austin i lived out like cedar park area mm -hmm. there was nothing out there um except this house that i ended up renting a room in and i was uh, I was very sad. I was very sad. <laughs> and a friend of mine had gone to see this improv troupe and said, oh, there's this really pretty girl there. And then when I saw there's auditions, that's how, that's, that's how low my life had gotten. That I was like, <laughs> well, maybe I'll go 
do something I've never even heard of called improv <laughs> so I can talk to a girl like that because I'm just I'm, life is not good because of that um, I was at the Veil Bubble time and I watched stand up Thursday two shows Friday two shows Saturday and I watched stand up for over a year and a half so that's five shows a week so 50 so it's 250 so 500 shows let's say roughly 500 shows before I got on stage and did stand up um well, I can I can form this in a question in terms of advice. I can think of a good reason not to go to those shows, and tell me I'm dumb if I am. Okay, uh, it's there's so many shows to uh, go on yourself in Austin between mics and shows. It's grown so big. A lot of times I'm like, well, I could go see this show when I really want to, but I got to ask to do the show, and I need to go up because you always hear you need to go up so much. Do you feel like new comics should take some of that time away if you've got a strong work ethic and just like I'm not gonna go up tonight I think there are bad shows in this city and yeah. if you're doing time on bad shows you're doing bad things to you and yourself and your company oh say more about that that's really interesting okay yeah <laughs> um, let me back up a second sure and that's where I can put the marker and the, so um, I've thought a lot about how I got where I, I, my goal when I got out of college um, was to not work uh, and I have successfully done that now for 20 some odd years. And I've been, I'm very proud of that. Now I've had jobs and I've made money, but I've never felt with except few exceptions. I never felt like, Oh, I'm doing an actual job job. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, very quickly. I got onto a very, um, uh, unsuccessful television show, but that kind of launched some things and it made it easier for me to try to, my goal really was I, I was an actor and then I started watching stand up, and I loved what standups were doing. And when I lived in LA, not doing any work, and living on sofas and you were, you know, you had a manager telling you, well, you don't want to go get a day job because that reflects poorly on you and your image. And so just hang out and go to these auditions. I wasn't enjoying that. I didn't want to be an auditioner. Hmm. I wanted to be an actor. The problem is, is that the auditions get you the acting roles and that wasn't happening as, as frequently as I wanted. But my friends doing standup were working every night. And I, and my need for attention also was like, I can't really just get to attention twice a year. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I want to do stand-up. And, um, and the feedback's immediate, too. Absolutely. It absolutely feels great. That's why yeah. we do it. Okay. It's also why it crushes us when the feedback is negative, <laughs> and we have to get on stage again to get rid of that feeling. The... Um, I think that anyone who's starting out should can they should figure out do I want to be a hobbyist or do I want to do this somehow professionally? And when I say professionally, it's I don't mean just as an exclusive career, but to lead to other things. And this is kind of what I want to do with my life and really dedicate myself to. If you're a hobbyist, um, I say with all respect, that sounds like fun, that sounds awesome, but also get the fuck out of everybody's way. <laughs> um, be respectful about the fact that you're being a hobbyist. Right. Uh, I think if you're a hobbyist and you're taking up. Um, important time on good stages for yeah. people who are really going for it. Um, I think it's um, I think it's rude, and that philosophy I've had has kept me at odds with some of the people that are my I consider friends in the community, but here in Austin I know they've always um, I don't want to say disrespect. They've I think they think that I'm wrong for that. Um, I think there's some people who feel like it's such a good community and we should support and lift everyone up. Yeah. And I say I don't have to be rude or cruel or mean. I just don't. I just think that if you're if you're doing it because I I get a joy from doing stand up. I like hanging out. It's my social scene. That's awesome. It's just also 
I see you differently than I see somebody who's really who's Serious. really going for it. Yeah. But I, I think and, there's a fear in those people because it takes a lot of courage, not just to get on stage, but to say, this is what I'm doing, and I might be a failure, but I'm doing it. Right. And how do you make those people? So what's those, those oh, people? Sorry, those people that don't commit, that are hobbyists. Because I was thinking, I don't hear a lot of people saying, you know, that's just a hobby. Most people are just afraid to say... This is what I want to do. I know I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Hey, and, it, uh, they were like in the as important as writing and performing is not having the fear and all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Hey, look at someone like Martha Kelly and the success that she has right yeah. now. You can't tell me that she's someone who doesn't live her life in fear, but she <laughs> she's made it. Do you know what I mean? She, yeah. she doesn't just kind of half-ass it and go up whenever and and then say, "Well, I haven't written anything in months, but I'm still going to go up and do my same tired jokes that don't get like it's." Yeah. I, I don't want to get bogged down in this. Too. I mean, I, that's how I feel about the, the hobbyists. Sure. And I mean, with all respect and whatever, but I just, there's a, a, a line I have dra- yeah. drawn for it. Yeah. I, I only mean, I don't think they know they're hobbyists. I well, they yeah, that that's, that's a good point. I think that's true. I think some of them think, well, they, I think they think if uh, I'm going to keep doing this and we'll see where it leads. Yeah. And a lot of them get decent jobs at some point and then have, have filled. Some of them have filtered away already. Um, and I think they'll continue to. I think that the, the Austin scene is getting more serious. I think more and more so people are doing this who really want to do this. Because so many of us want it and are working really hard that it's getting more and more awkward to tell jokes you told six months ago. <laughs> no, and I think that's yeah. fantastic. I mean, and, and, there yeah. are, and there are some of us who have been working for a very long time to build a scene and here. And that was the yeah. thing that we wanted. Was we appreciate We it. want a place where it's not, it, 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 there's lots of people and there's lots of people who are even behind the scenes who have not, who have never been on the stage who were working hard to build a scene. And the, the idea was always, where's a place that you go to get out of Wichita Falls mm. to get out of um, some town outside of Branson. Do you know it? Um, it's the same thing that Austin did with its gay community. If you think about it, how do we take someone who's not ready to go to to New York yet and say that you, there's a place where you're welcome and that you can get better at what you do? That sounds that's, that, funny. that's but you know what I mean saying. But how do you, but uh, where my gay game has improved? But way well, would you really, you know you know what yeah, I'm saying? Like like absolutely. Austin, yeah, yeah. there's just this idea. I when I was on the road, I would go to these towns and in inevitably you're headlining and, and young comics who are there especially a lot of smaller scenes they don't even have an open mic what they do is on the Sunday show before the headliner there's the six guys in town get to do time in front of you and they always ask the same question hey do you have any advice do you have any advice which is a really open ended question yeah. it's hard to you do have any advice for me it's like well I'm not going to give you advice on your specific jokes because you're very green and new and I don't but yeah my advice is if Move. you do you want to do this yeah. figure that out do you want to do this or is it something that's like I want to do it because then Stacy who works at the <laughs> the crooked tooth down the street sees me and notices me if so like set what your goal is and that's going to get me to where I was saying earlier figure out if you're a hobbyist and if you're not a hobbyist hmm. then you need to figure out what is it you want from stand up and I think most importantly in that is you have to figure out what success means for you and you have to figure out what does fame where does fame play into that success we are all treated, we're all told to be humble. I'm sure, as you've talked, you've interviewed quite a few people for the mm-hmm. show, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, and definitely. I'm sure everyone has buffered everything they've said by saying, well, this, right. well, I mean, for me, for me, this is, because we're all, especially in this town, no one likes to be an asshole, yeah. which is important. It's nice. It, it is a fun place to be. But you have to figure out and be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell other people if it makes you uncomfortable, but you have to figure out how important is fame to me because the business we're in it's an entertainment and a lot of people's careers are driven by 
fame. And some people say, well, I don't want fame. It's not important to me. I just want to be committed to the craft. All right, great. But if what you really mean is, I'm afraid to tell you, but fame is very important to me, you will miss what you wanted to do with your life if you don't embrace that. Yeah. If you want to be famous and you want a taste of fame, be honest with yourself. You don't have to be an asshole about it, but be honest with yourself and then put the steps in place to do that. Also, two years, maybe three years, maybe four years in Austin, and then you need to go to LA. If you want to be famous, you have to go to LA. Some people will say, well, what about New York? New York's great too, but the, the, it's, the road to fame goes through uh, LA. Yeah. And it just goes through LA. Yeah. It, yeah. it just does. And, and that's no disrespect. I mean, I would rather personally go to New York. It's yeah, cool. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, it fits me better. Um, they, but you'll see a lot of New York folk who eventually get a job and they have to go to LA for a while. Right. LA is a place to be. It's a place to be. And so don't deny yourself for that or they also don't deny, figure that out. But then also figure out because some people say, well, their path really is I'm doing stand up because it's teaching me some stuff. I really want to be a writer and honestly I don't want the fame I want success not everybody is Steve Jobs but many people run very successful tech companies you'll yeah. never know their name but they have um, money and they take care of their family and their kids go to private school whatever the fuck is important to you yeah. however you judge success however you judge success figure out how you, how you get there and be very honest with yourself very early in your career and it makes things much easier there's a lot less depression involved <laughs> if you're just honest about how, what it is you want to do F following up on that I'm curious how long should you sort of wait to think about that level of career stuff in other words how much should, I mean, should it be, I really want to think about getting funny, developing an act, going up all the time, getting good, and then at some point I'll do that, or is it the kind of thing you need to think about it immediately? I think they're all, yeah, if you've decided you're not in the, now, or if you say, oh, I was a hobbyist, but I've seen, and I'm having some success, and I'm realizing I don't want to be an accountant anymore, I really want to, once you make that leap and you make the decision, I want to do this, Yeah. then I think it's important to think of all of the elements. One of the things I'll say that I think is a bit of a, um, is a negative mark against the Austin scene is how little people seem to be doing thinking about mm -hmm. the, the the other stuff that's important to doing a career. Well, that's why we're listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, and I and, and I and we keep talking about Austin because that's where we are right yeah. now. But any scene that you're in right now, um, whether it be uh, Atlanta or Dallas or or, or Seattle yeah. or Chicago, even um, it, th those are all. Uh, and this is no disrespect to any of those scenes. We're all, I would say, that we're secondary scenes to, to L.A. and New York. Some people have a chip on their shoulder and always like, our scene's even better. It's like, whatever you want to, <laughs> whatever gets you up in the morning, that's fine. But the fact is, is that billions of dollars are being made right. in those two scenes and they really aren't in the others. So you can tell yourself what you need to. Yes, we're in a lot of these other scenes and we're getting uh, festivals and, and, and television credits or whatever. But the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and some people say, well, I'm not in it for the money. I get that. Um, I realize that it's much easier to enjoy stand-up when you have electricity at home. <laughs> That's just a thing that I learned by not having electricity for at one point, I think seven or eight weeks, and, I live in an apartment with no electricity or water and I don't want to do that again. And it seems to me the good stuff, if you're more arty and you have, you champion yourself, I have that kind of integrity is attached to that stuff, right? So even if it's not about the money, I mean, my goals, you know, I want to be an artist and I want to be recognized and I want to have an audience and it requires all that. I mean, you know. well, and I think that's what I meant about be honest with the, with the fame thing because yeah. 
You can be an artist who paints prolifically and never has a show because you're not, you're doing it. There's a, there's a thing inside of you where you need to do this for you. Yeah. And, and if so, then you'll be putting all the paintings under your bed and that's fine because you're getting everything you need out of that. Yeah. Yeah. The minute you're doing, you're, when a minute you're looking to do a show or you're showing your art to somebody, that's you saying, I need some recognition for that. And that's what I'm saying about be Absolutely. honest about your fame. Right. If you want big fame, big fame and big accolades, figure out what the steps are to get there. If you say, I, just from doing that, the television show I did very early in my career, I learned that when strangers come up to me and have an opinion about something I've done that I, and I haven't met, I'm very uncomfortable with it. I learned that I don't do well, that I think when I was younger, I thought it'd be awesome to be a television star or a movie star or something like that. And then when it was sort of happening, having people walk up to you at a restaurant and go, I fucking hate you, dude, <laughs> is a very uncomfortable thing for me that I don't know how to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the... Um, uh, I don't know if it's the courage or intestinal fortitude or whatever the word is for it. I just don't like it. And I realize like, oh, I think I might be comfortable with a lesser exposed kind of thing. And stand-up was great for that because you're on the road and you have the modicum of fame you need to start headlining and being a draw hmm. where you can make some money at clubs. Um, but you can go about your... You can go about your life completely. Nobody knows who the fuck you are. Yeah. Nobody, and it's uh, and and you want enough fame to be a draw. Right. I think that's important. Yeah. You need that, and I think that that's an important thing here in the city. We'll get to that. <laughs> yes, I do want to follow up about moving to LA because I read an interview in that you gave in 2011 where you were saying that you know you wanted more people to stay in Austin, um, mm -hmm. and one of the things you said was. How about instead of moving to LA, or it was basically this, you know, you keep your part-time job here and then you, you know, spend a month, once a year you spend a month, go out to LA, call up your contacts and Still see if all those that's issues. A, that works for people. And is that something where you're saying as opposed to moving to LA? No, look, when, once you have work, mm -hmm. why, you, you need to be in LA yeah. for work. What happens is I see people go well my three friends just left for LA mm. so I guess it's my turn to go I, I guess it's I should go too because you don't want to be left behind it feels like a breakup right um, I have a lot of friends who were getting a lot of t attention from the industry a lot of attention from the industry who move and then they become something else and that's a something else that's also occasionally doing stand up mm. yeah and I don't understand why you would take momentum that you've got going from here and then sh purposely shut down your momentum. Uh, I book a show and when my friends call from LA and they say, I'm coming through on this Tuesday, is there any way I can get on your show? As it is, I'm looking at how do I fit 200 people in this town into right. a really 35, 40 available slots in a season. Uh, it's already difficult. But when someone calls from LA, I'm like, well, I only have one option, and it's going to be this week. So I'll put them in that week. Yeah. Uh, I did this with Ramin Nazer, did this, I think, kind of perfectly. Yeah. Ramin would call and say, hey, I'm coming out to LA. And he'd go out there for two weeks. And as a result, Ramin, and he had just done uh, some really big festivals and some other things, but he very quickly was on uh, um, uh, Meltdown and um, Comedy death ray and, and and the shows that people in bar the shows that people really wanted to be on at the time people like how the fuck did you get on he's like well i know these people from the road i've talked to them and i called and i said i'm coming to town do you have space for me yeah but he would say i'm gonna be in town only this week and then he would call this group and go i'm gonna be in town only this week but he was nice. going there for a month nice. <laughs> but he got himself booked on everything and then he would crush and then people would go like who's this guy Shit, and then industry was like, who's this guy who's crushing everywhere that came out of nowhere? And then he would he would come back to town and he'd make a good amount of dough. I think when he lived in L.A. for his first year, I think he still told people that, hey, I'm going to be in town 
Yeah. This week, I don't know that that's true. I like it as a lore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, it made it seem like a more like a commodity they had to to get then. Or you yeah, know. yeah, limited time. Commodity is a great word for it. But and I think also too, what happens is people go, well, I've got the credits I need now. I um, I I've got a, an album that I self produced, and <laughs> I'm, I'm getting like five thousand views on my YouTube. Every. Hmm. Look, the, the LA is filled with people that have way more television credits than you do that aren't getting. T- it's a it's a really fucking tough business. Plus, the, it's a different business altogether out there about castability, and um and that's what I mean about it. If if you want to be on the f- performer side, yeah, um the writing side is is also different. And then some people really want to go out and they love comedy and it, it introduces them in a way to get into production and uh, and other things as well. Some people become agents or managers. I mean, there's a lot of options that and everyone kind of finds their own. Um, avenue but i i think when you go and you just sort of say hey la take me in you you really are the girl who just gets off the bus from iowa who will be in porn very soon because you're (laughs) you're ill prepared for what's for what's happening i I, going out making friends having kind of and also just for mental health having uh a a safety net of people is i think is important because you know what we do is uh sometimes I think you see a high rate of uh, depression and drinky drink in our yeah. group of people. A lot of it's just the infrastructure. Like yeah. That's what there is to do at most of the shows that you go to or perform on is yeah. drink. And a lot of us are fucked up and, and broken get, people. Yeah, so. And we get paid in drink <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh So I'm, I'm getting, obviously there's a sense where eventually you have to go what about the opposite? Do you see people leaving too early? Is that a danger? That's something I'm thinking Leaving about. too yeah. early to LA? To LA or New York. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what's the... Again, this is the thing I think about all the time because it's like you definitely know you can go too late. You definitely know you can go well, too early. Do you have like in your head a litmus test when you'd be like, oh, that person left way too early or they've been staying around way too long? Well, I'd ask yourself, what are you, go- what are you going yeah. for? What's the job that, that you've been offered that you're going for? Zero job. Right. So then, <laughs> yeah. then when you're going for, you got to figure out well, then what is it you're going for? I, I, look, it's not my job to tell people when no, and course, where to go. Of course. I, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't do that. I think when I was younger, I um, was way more egotistical and pompous and, and I had an opinion on it. I don't anymore. Yeah. It's like, well, that's, a, that's that person's life. The other thing too is you can come home. I went to LA and I fucking, I came home. Yeah. It wasn't for me. I came home and <laughs> guess what? The work ethic and just the, just seeing the business from that side, my career got so much better here after the the year I spent in LA. And and when I mean better, I mean by leaps and bounds. They don't even they don't resemble each other at all. Like you were enthused with something that you brought back here or it just taught me that that comedy isn't a series of five minute sets followed by drinking and then sleeping the day away. <laughs> because that's what it had been before. And yeah. I was like I was in love with that life. This is a great life. But that life leads to you being um, 60 and single and in an apartment with five other people and and sometimes the butt of jokes. And uh, and I realized, that, well, that's not really where I, I wanted to head. And I'd meet those guys when I was on the road. And they would live in some terrible small town somewhere and they were still kind of on the road, but they never had never had uh, guidance and they never had, uh, they'd never had goals they never had goals they just kind of were going wherever wherever they went and uh, I don't think that that's a healthy for any it does, I don't even give, give a shit if it's stand up <laughs> whatever they hear you're doing I don't think it's a, a healthy way to be cool 
Let me move on to a little bit of a different topic. If okay. you're okay with the advice, but he's just torn about so whether or not he should be moving. Oh, is that, so is that what we're having right now? Is oh, you're I mean, figuring out for well, you? Yeah, yeah, because my... Why are you going? I want to get good. And you hear that New York comics are some of the best in the world. I had somebody tell me, I'm not going to be able to trace it, but it sounded legitimate at the time. Yeah. Like, they just take it, uh, New York comics a little bit more seriously. I think part of it, like, you moved out there, you're committed. We've, we've had New York comics come here and I've been deeply impressed with those guys. Right. But obviously, I don't want to move too early because this is, uh, people talk about this like it's an incubator city. Like, right. I can get, I've had more stage time than I thought I would, you know what I mean? I had no idea. I go up constantly. And so, yeah, they, you know. And How I'm, do you feel I'm about older. your work here? I feel, I feel good for sure. But, but the, the issue is more about like the connections that you make. So this has been the logic and it could be wrong, but okay. from my vantage point, it's like, okay, I can sort of, Put a lot of time into making connections here, uh, having this person see my work, say it's good and stuff like that. Or, but will I lose that when I move to New York? Lose well, what? So the same thing, like uh, you know, people, you know, vouching for you in a sense, or like that that kind of thing. You hear a lot of times when you go when you move, you kind of got to start over and stuff like that. I mean, maybe that's not true. Maybe you can speak to that. Well, it depends on maybe what level you've reached in the in the industry. Sure. Before you start over. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you had a, if you was, if you lived here, yeah, and you worked until you got a Comedy Central hour here, yeah, do you feel like you'd have to start over when you go to? Pro- yeah, probably not. That's yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It does, doesn't yeah, yeah. it? But then you also now I don't know you're going to get an hour yeah. here. But what <laughs> I'm saying is is that um, that that's the those are the questions I think someone has to. You also just have to say to yourself, do you just really want to go to L.A.? Or do you yeah, just yeah. really want to go to New York? And if the thing is, I just really want to go to New York, yeah. then fucking go to New York. Because the worst thing that can happen, like, do you have kids? You have kids? No, no, no. What, what's your job here? Uh, I just wait tables. Yeah, so fuck it. Go. Why wouldn't you go? Yeah. Well, that's, that's go, and eat, yeah. go and eat shit. Then come back here in a yeah. couple of months and go. And then when you come back here in a couple of months, your set's going to destroy and everyone's going to go, Wow. Iowa should go to New York. Look how good you got because you're going to realize that in New York in your five minutes, if you go to one show and you go, so uh, I don't know, guys, uh, what do you uh, what do you guys want to talk about tonight? And you pull the shit that we all pull here in this lazy fucking city. You won't be invited back and you'll realize, oh, fuck. There were so many shows to do here. And in, in, in New York, I can only get one show a week and it's five minutes and I spent half of my five minutes going, oh, so what else, guys? And filling my set with dumb non-economy of words you'll learn oh i at least want to tell jokes in my five minutes and when you come back here you'll have five minutes of tight and people go wow that the audience really responded yeah the audiences respond when you tell jokes it's a (laughs) weird thing that we still haven't learned as a scene here sorry it sounds like i'm shitting on people which i am (laughs) yeah well i mean the people (laughs) i feel like some of us care uh, care more about that in in the scene now do you well i mean we had do you go to uh, I mean, do you go to any of the open mics or shows very often? I go to some. I don't yeah, go to all. I don't go to all of them. I go yeah. to Cherrywood a lot. Yeah. I go to Cherrywood a lot because yeah. that's a really, really, really tough room. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it's set up um, and what's happening and comics not watching each other. It sounds like I'm shitting on it. I'm not. I hope it doesn't change because I. It's really. I'm going to that specifically because I'm looking for comics for the show that that I'm booking, and you can. I feel like I can tell a lot more about a comic in that room than I can um, in a really hot room. In a generous room, yeah. I mean, I can yeah. see your tape. You'll send me a tape of a generous room. You're not going to send me a tape. Well, some people haven't learned that. <laughs> some people send tapes of terrible sets. I'm like, are you not 
are you this tells me that you don't you're not aware hmm. um but uh in that room you can really see oh is someone committing to a joke even though no one is helping them right now in this audience and if so i'm like well that's but i like that from someone their ability to commit to something even when it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and uh yeah yeah because it's hard not to be phased by not getting a good response that's i yeah. mean the, the other thing about that room is that it is uh just a few blocks from my house and uh, i can get drunk and still make it home <laughs> so before it sounds too much like it's a high and mighty thing part of it is just a need for alcohol Gotcha. You were gonna ask something. No, yeah. well, yeah, I was or just change, curious about like this. if if you. I mean, that's that's one rooms, but if, do you think that you've noticed any change over time about Austin Comics in terms of tightness or not wasting time? Mm. Still, just seems lazy. No, I hate to use the word lazy because. Um, here's what I've noticed. I mean, well, or I, I know well, but as as a whole. One thing is that people who are going to get better get better much more quickly, much more quickly, much yeah. much more quicklier. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> bigly, they get bigly better, <laughs> faster. When I started doing comp, I didn't even start stand up until I was, I think, almost thirty or maybe thirty. Is when Good. I started. That makes us feel better. It should. Yeah. It should. Um, also. What I would do is there would always, every club had their one 18 to 21 year old who came out really early and then they, everyone took them under their wing. Fuck that kid. And they would, but, but they would, they would, they would perform and they were, they would make all, we all made the same mistakes. There were no comedy coaches. There wasn't somebody, there was no comedy school. So everyone made the same mistakes and you watched them go through it. And so kind of when you started was how you learned to get rid of those mistakes in the first three years or so. Now, YouTube is filled with one billion hours of bad stand-up and good Mm stand-up and your ability to figure out what bad stand-up is you can do much faster much quicker and you can do it all from the comfort of your own home so now when i watch younger comics start they don't even have half of the really hacky and bad habits that i would see in the past so just automatically people are starting way better okay the talent level seems to be higher than um than i I think when in in the scene that i can't kind of came out of in my very particular scene you know there's like these movements that have happened in the, in, in austin um but my class that's called the yeah. class mm-hmm. the class they um that's like the accepted we term. i think yeah. that we we all started as hobbyists with this ideal of like i wonder if i could yeah and then very quickly you figured out who could and who couldn't and um uh but you made a lot of you, you. I guess I'm getting back to that. You you made a lot of mistakes, and uh, and you 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 were reinventing the wheel a lot. Um, now I just see people, and I'm like, fuck, that person is where we used. To, it would take us all ten years to get to the, where they, and they've been doing it a year, and they have just skipped over the part of sucking for a very long time. So now people can kind of get in and immediately enter the race, uh, if that makes sense. It does so so I do think it's better now. Austin has an, what I call a comedy accent. Um, mm-hmm. And do you know what I mean by that? You can generally, if you were to... Sh- if I'm I, excited because I've never okay. heard this before. Say, let's, say I leave, <laughs> let's say I leave the city for two years and you bring to me a tape and you say five of these people are from Austin and five of these people from other cities. Um, which ones are from Austin? I could probably... I, I think I can get four of the five. Yeah. Because we have an accent. We have a comedy accent. And by that I mean... Um, we're telling jokes to our friends... We all have similar senses of humor. We may be different, and we may have different deliveries and say, well, I want to be original and write originally, but 
Austin certainly has. Um, hey, look, look! First of all, look how woke I am. Look how smart I am. Look how good I am at playing wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the idea of comedy. You know what I mean? We all we do a little stuff. There's a lot. Sure, sure, I, a lot of I that. Hate all of that. I, and so what happens is you and you go on road. And I have you know friends who come through and they're like, ah, oh, fucking Austin comics. And I'm like, I get it, I get it. Because uh, there's a good story to, that I'll tell you, and um, which is a pretty awesome one, and I like a lot. There's before the I don't I think it was I don't even think the show was called Meltdown at that point but there's Meltdown Comics in, in LA and I'm out there one time I wasn't performing I just went out to see some friends and, that's and one of the comic shop right it's a it's comic book shop yeah, yeah. yeah and in the back now now it's become a big a big scene and, and, and an awesome scene but at the time there was a show done there for absolute comedy hipsters um uh we're talking about accents no no I know it so oh. hmm. it was the most and then there was the there was an accent to this alt scene, this particular alt scene. And when I'm talking, this is over a decade ago, or maybe a decade. Ago, I don't remember when it was, but there were you know young dudes going, oh whatever, and that one's lame, and that one's lame. And then everyone, oh so anyway, my yoga class, and it, you know it was just like how many affectations can I put on in my set so that because they weren't really telling jokes. What I'm saying is I'm part of your group. People mm-hmm. in the group, and then through the clapter, yeah. people were saying, "Yes, we recognize you as part of our group." It's very referential in that way. And I remember one of the guys near me going, "Ugh, what's he doing here?" But he said it in a dismissive way of a guy nib named Ted Alexander who'd come in, who was going to be on. Now I don't know if you know Ted, but Ted is one of the best comics ever. He's a fantastic comic. He's a consummate performer, and he's uh, good. He's really good. But I remember. But also. Ted is not somebody I would call an alt comic, right? And Ted got uh, Ted's got my hairline. We're dads, <laughs> right? We're from the, we're cut from dad cloth. And I, but I remember this guy just going. Ugh, ugh. Ted got up and fucking destroyed this room. Yeah. Destroyed because what he had was an ability. He was a comic. He's telling jokes that have a, a point of view, and he fucking crushed that room. And I remember this guy with his arms crossed begrudgingly like mm-hmm. like going from scowling to occasionally and then he's like yeah I guess that was a pretty good one and I was like no it's not there's no yeah I guess that's a great comic and the, and the thing about being a great comic is that he Ted could look at the room and go alright well how do I tell these jokes to get these and then he knows how to do it because he's a fucking great comic and um, I probably shouldn't even use his name I should have just told the story <laughs> but, but the 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 point in that being is that you know they had their accent yeah and that accent I can think just be a good comic you don't have to worry about it. So there's some young comics I see here in town and I hear other people go, oh, I don't know, that person's kind of a, they're, they're kind of hacky or this, that. Like, no, I, I'm watching them. They're not hacky. They're green. So they're telling some jokes where you're like, ah, that's, you're going to need to up the intelligence in that at some point. But they're, that person is kind of being true to themselves. And I think what happens is if someone in this town sounds like a, um, uh, who's a, like say there's someone like Ralphie May. Hmm. People, uh, Ralphie May is a, is controversial, right? Because some people go, "Well, I don't like to like him because he says words I don't like, and he does comedy different than I like to see comedy." Sure, those are those are valid. I see that, but you can't really 
argue that the guy hasn't built a career and done well, and he's very kind to the comics that that tour around and then they're around him. It's it's not my style necessarily, but he his two albums are he's like funny. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. No, they destroys like they, it's insane. He knows how to write a joke and tell yeah. a joke. Yeah, and so it's weird to argue against that. Now I I understand what happens is because when you're younger and you want your point of view to be understood by audiences and it's not, you're angry at the world and you're like. All these other people suck. They need to see comedy my way, which I get. We've all stood in the back of the room and rolled our eyes at certain people. Um, I think what's if you care less about the actual content and maybe what's being said and maybe care more about how it's being said and is this person a really are they are they developing and are they able to get a broader and broader audience? I think that's in my book is more important if you want to build a career. Do you feel like there's an Austin bubble? Do you it, to the degree that like I don't know. What that, I mean, I, I I don't mean to be dismissive of the question. No, no I don't, not at all. I just like I don't know what that would mean or so, whatever. So in other I mean, words, I, mean I, I know what, what what you mean by the concept of the bubble is they yeah. gonna burst and fall apart. I don't know. No, I, no, no, I, no, I no. I didn't mean oh, no? that way. Okay. I meant more like but, like are the we liberal being, bubble. Kind yeah, of are we right? being sort of like coddled in a way that if we went on the road, that people are like, well, I don't want to hear that shit. That's or, you know, I make a point of when I go out. So I run a show and I'm proud of the show and I and I like the show that, that I run and I like the way that I run it. Mm-hmm. Um, I make, I like when I know when I'm booking someone who hasn't booked, been booked on Punch yet and I know it's going to cause grumbles. I like that feeling. <laughs> I like that feeling because I, because I want that show to appeal to a broad audience. I like putting in lots of different voices um, and um but I also, I mean, I've been, there, there are acts that I book that I know um, that the Austin bubble that you talk about are going to um, take, will take umbrage with. And I'm okay with that because the thing is, is are, are they still a good comic? And I've had some people headline that I know the comics walked out on. We're just like, no, I don't like this guy. I don't like what he's saying. And it's like, but the audience that was there was enjoying it. And the, the point of that show is I want to show you a broad view of what I consider to be comics working well i will also tell you that i've put people on the show whose comedy i don't personally find funny but they do good work does that make sense yeah, you know what absolutely. i'm saying i mean there's there are movies that don't entertain you but you have to say the lighting is fantastic it's a well-written rel- and it's well acted it just didn't it just doesn't speak to me but i can't argue that it's not a good movie yeah i'm actually fascinated with this aspect of comedy where you it has to be objective in certain respects and it has to be subjective like it has to be it to there have to be objective features or you couldn't do it to crowds consistently. Right. And that, so it seems like to me there's there's issues of taste, but certainly like there are just chops. The bubble People is really just, easy to, to, to get rid of too. I mean, the, the accent and the stink that you have on you is re, is really easy to get rid of. It's yeah. really easy. All you gotta do is leave the city and go yeah. do stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the, the one thing that I see now that I, I don't begrudge anybody it, and I know that the business has changed so much that it's harder, but when I was a comic, the goal, there was, there was, a, there was a clear ladder that we were all on get into the contest do well enough to make it to the finals hope and pray that you have a really good set at the finals so that you can start getting bookings that was the whole thing if you could because uh the guy one of the guys who's now an owner of the club at the time wasn't but he was the booker of the club and he always came down for the contest he would uh, this i'm talking about the funniest person in austin contest yeah. the people who are <laughs> listening to this from outside of our city i want to talk about um, too, and that's been going on for 30 years now yeah. or whatever but 
Booker's that that's who came who the final judges were. What now it's people from Just for Laughs and, and Comedy Central and Mosaic Talent. I mean it's 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 a bigger industry. But at the time it was the Bookers from the room in Beaumont, the room in Houston, the room in Dallas. And so uh, uh, and, and frankly, sometimes that's better for a comic than yeah. being seen by a manager at a really awesome management company who gives you a pat on the back. Um because you may not be ready for that level and you may not even be ready to go to Just for Laughs or whatever, but what you were really ready for was to open in Beaumont. Yeah. And I got those gigs and they were they were big for me. I went from being a guy who's like, oh, I'm fucking, I'm a really good comic. I crush every time I'm on stage to telling jokes and sweating my fucking ass off because no one was laughing. No one was laughing. And then the guy who had booked me, going back to him and saying, yeah, I know he's going to fire me. And I'm saying, no, 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 I knew you would, I knew you'd eat shit. <laughs> I love, I loved you. I love you. My audiences aren't. You need to learn how to tell your joke to my audience. Yeah. And those became very important lessons. Now, I would hear an argument from people saying, never not be yourself. Mm. Never not be yourself. Always be. I would change it to never not be true to yourself. Right. But I learned that my joke about me and my friends taking acid, if I'm at a private gig, uh, when I was taking those corporate gigs and it's all 50-year-olds, um, I would panic and say, well, I can't tell the acid joke in front of them, so I would change it to um, my crazy roommates took acid. It's the same story and the same joke, but now we're in on it, which is yeah. acid's crazy for crazy people. We're in on this together. Yeah. Um, now, when I came home, I'm still developing that joke for the way I want to tell it, which is about the time that I took acid with some friends. Now, another lesson I learned in life is actually the best audience to tell an acid joke or the 50 plus set because they grew up in the 60s and 70s and they did way more acid than we ever had. They didn't just go to a fucking EDM show where it's all safe in the, the, the forests and everyone takes care of them. They did acid and walked around the streets of fucking Chicago and it was scary. And they were like, no, we get this way better than you do. Uh, they were shooting people at uh, Kent State. Like, it was a very different acid, acid time than you had. new then too. Yeah, yeah it, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, but to get it, it's... The goal was, and this is going to lead me in. Are you, do you have another question? I see you. I eventually do. But okay. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off. This is your podcast. And that's why I want to say I'll put my. No, this is just my listening, you know, posture. <laughs> just... are, you, are you in academia? No, I, I abandoned that. Were you ever, like, like, were you I ever got... like a TA? No, that was, that's, it's just the jacket that is doing but, this to well, you. Is it is the jacket? But you also have the, you have a, um, it's uh, your no, my original plan, lesbianism. My original plan was to go into academia, but I, <laughs> okay. I immediately after, uh, well, you've got the look after undergraduate, I left. Yeah. So. Good for you. I know. Not like this idiot. Well, what, what, what kind of degree do you have again? Philosophy has been very useful for me. That's <laughs> just makes it arguing with him really annoying. No, it whatever. Mm. The, um, formal logic. Have you heard of this? It's awful. The goal of stand up. In, when I was coming up was to get on the road and to start making uh, a living there. Mm -hmm. Now I see that the goal, ooh, this is, I'm getting ready to get myself in a lot of trouble. Oh, I can't wait. I feel like the goal used to be that. Now, in the defense of the people I'm getting ready to insult, um, mm -hmm. it is very hard to do that now because the money's pretty fucking terrible yeah. and it's it's just hard. And, and, there are, and there's another, there's a new comedy boom that's coming along. So everyone who has uh, their parents' money mm -hmm. is now into stand-up and frankly, they can, if you have your parents' money, you can be on the road a little easier than you can otherwise. And but I would still a dick. All right. Sure. I would still say have a commitment to getting on the road at some point 
anyone listening to this and doing shows outside of your comfort zone it will teach you and the thing is even in austin if you're like well i can't get on the road go to there are shows i hear about that are in marble falls or in lago vista those are people who voted different than you yeah that that were raised differently than you and when you learn to tell your jokes to them it will yeah. benefit both of you it's um, easy to to do shows in other cities you might not be working at clubs in other cities but it's easy we have a huge network here and some people have been or have lived in other places so if you want to if you want to do shows unless you're awful then people can help you do shows absolutely all over so what i did want to ask you okay. is about the road um, so you said you quit. I'm writing down a marker and you keep talking okay okay you quit the road you said eight years ago eight years ago you have kind of like seven seven years ago eight and a half S- seven eight and how long would you say you were on the road mm, f- f- four okay and did you was this right after you won FPIA uh, the year before I won is when I started kind of doing the road as much as possible it wasn't okay. exclusively what I was doing um, but that's when I was trying to get out there as much as possible so how when i you? won then things got better because and i started getting more um, on the road and i started doing more more feature work uh, yeah. especially and then um and then very quickly i learned to play the game in the clubs and so i was coming back uh as a headliner mm-hmm. and what coming back as a headliner was i thought was gonna be way more awesome and then it's not because the comedy business is a business and when you're the headliner the business part is really on your shoulders in a way that that when you're as a feature it isn't you're responsible for the outcome of the show when right? the room when the room numbers aren't good and the t- and the sales aren't good you get a talking to when you're a feature the thing is do your time and if you do your time and you do it well no one says anything to you and you get your check at the end of the week and they say oh see you next time and they and you say hey can you put a word in for me uh, i'm in lincoln can you put in a word for me over in uh, sioux falls you know what i mean like and that i know you talked to that club sure you did you did fine you're doing we'll, we'll, we'll get you a pass at the next club uh when you're headlining uh, and, and then especially when you first start headlining, especially if you don't have a lot of television credits, you go in, it was this thing called summer pay up north. It's summertime. People don't go out to clubs up north because it's finally fucking sunny. Yeah. So <laughs> clubs up north would hire a lot of comics that were new because you worked, you were, you were willing to work for cheaper a thousand bucks for a week, which is, was horrible, horrible pay. And, um, but the thing too is the numbers aren't very good. It's a it's a you know it's a snowball going downhill because the numbers are you're getting booked because it's already the business is slow and then the business is slow so everyone's fucking stressed and afterwards staff doesn't realize that you could hear them but they're like I didn't fucking make shit uh, and then they say oh who's coming next week oh I can't wait till next week we're gonna make so much money yeah. and if you're a comic like me you internalize that because you're like I I nobody wants me here and it's that's when the road gets very lonely because you go back to the condo and then you realize oh this is how we all become terrible alcoholics because you leave and you go home and you drink because it sucks but but how much of that's in your control because it seems like a lot of that stuff like you could be the best comic in the world but if you don't have if nobody knows you because you haven't gotten out yet yeah but if like we that. could control our emotions yeah, yeah. facebook oh, no, would no, be no, a I, wonderful place I, to yeah, be yeah. right I, no, I, completely, I mean just in the sense of advice is it the kind of thing where you know you shouldn't so much worry about that kind of stuff because you just can't really i would tell people you can't get but you know i i also learned the game from other people that i work i mean i i was somebody who like i said i watched all those shows when i was doing improv i watched comics work and i watched why did that comic change their joke tonight why did they suddenly change and i would try to figure out why did they change the way they told that joke and i'm now to a point of how after all these years of watching i generally know why a comic changed their joke and i can see what's happening what's happening with the audience and i like it to you need to get a really good set you need to have it memorized and then you're sort of 
your mouth is talking and your face is moving and there's this memorized motions, but my eyes are watching the audience at mm -hmm. all times and I'm, there's another conversation. There's two, it's like a drummer. A drummer's playing and a drummer's thinking, right? Yeah. And that's why drumming's so hard. And, and to me, the reason when stand-up got really easy is when I got good at, my brain sends a signal. You tell this joke. And then I'm in my head and I'm saying, and I'm editing on the fly. Oh, this joke needs another punch. Pull the punch from this other joke, but remember, don't tell that joke later in the set. Yeah. Scrap it. And I'm changing my set around because I'm realizing this particular thing, what I, the gameplay I came in here with, the, the game plan, is not working with this particular audience. So I need to go this direction. And now I'm changing jokes and I'm up, making them go upside down. And I'm realizing in my mind, all right, let's back time. You're not going to have enough to fill this. All right, you're going to need three minutes of crowd work coming up right now. And now, mm -hmm. and so my head is doing that now when I'm on stage. If there's not, there's not thinking about notes or thinking about the new joke or whatever. You're just into kind of an autopilot thing. When you get better at that, comedy becomes kind of way more fun because yeah. it's a completely different sport altogether. It's not, oh my God, I have this 10 minutes I've been working on and how do I get all 10 jokes in my 10 minutes to work? It's not that anymore at all. Those are important steps. But the this other thing is, to me, is that's when the, that's when the sudden rush of uh, heroin feeling where you're like yeah. oh I fucking love I want to do this a lot now because when it's working really well you feel um, you feel godlike when you yeah. watch super in control when you watch literally hundreds of people in a big room and you are driving them and you're driving the evening and they're getting really excited with your show and you, you crush feels fucking feels good it feels good it, it, something you said reminds me of poker a lot too where it's like when you watch movies about poker the stuff that they always show you is like the or the, that they draw attention to is bluffing and reading people and what people don't know that's such a high level of poker because you have to have all the mechanics down already you have to know you have so to much have about memorized uh, pot pot averages yeah, I mean uh, 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 ratio yeah yeah and then you can do this level of like psychology right, right. where I think well, you know I don't want to speak for anybody but myself but like you know a lot of it's just trying to really understand how to write jokes uh, understanding your persona and stuff like that yeah and that's it, people shouldn't be afraid to take the time to learn all yeah. of that stuff and, and I understand that ambition means that a lot of us are in a real hurry and they I have people who come to me and say, "Hey, man, I um, I've got, I've got 25 minutes now. Um, can you talk to Cap about maybe I can get over there and, and feature?" And I'm like, "Well, you can when you have, you need 50 minutes to do 25 yeah. at a club like that." Yeah. And it's not just having that amount of time. I mean, a feature has a certain job, and so sometimes people say, "Well, I I don't understand why I'm not getting more attention from Cap." And it's like because you're not. A feature. You're also <laughs> not an opener. And I, I hate to break it to you, you're not a bad comic, but what you're going to have to do is figure out something to do in the meantime until you can become a headliner because there's a difference. And the fact is, when you're an opener, you have a specific job. And when you're a feature, you have a specific job. They're not the same job, and they're certainly not the same job as the person who closes the show. And you have such a unique point of view and a unique delivery that, frankly, you're not that good of an opener and you're not that good <laughs> of a feature. Yeah. People don't understand. Well, I don't understand what the club... No, it has nothing to do with that. You know what the club doesn't want to deal with? They're paying a lot of money to a headliner. And they don't want the headliner coming in and saying... They don't want to put the headliner in this position. The headliner... The position where you have to go in to the manager and say, I don't want to be this guy. But the feature in front of me is... It's making my job really hard this week. And I've got fans coming out here. And it's, uncomf it's uncomfortable. Right? Now they that's a shitty thing they've done to, and now that person feels shitty because they're like, well, in comedy we need to try to help everybody out or whatever. <laughs> but so sometimes a club's saving you from that 
uncomfortable moment. By the way, when that uncomfortable moment happens, you ra- rarely will ever know. You rarely will ever know. Do you know what I mean? But it's happened before. To, to when you're saying it, uh, that the feature is making the headliner's job difficult, are you saying because their voice is too kind of out there? Or what maybe kind of- that. I mean, there's not just one thing, but yeah. or just a guy who's. You know, you it's eight o'clock early Saturday. Everybody knows eight o'clock early Saturday is going to be it's going to be all the Lexi in the parking lot. Everyone's that's that's date night for married people who have put their kids away, right? That's what that what's what Saturday early show is. Yeah, they've come out, they paid the good money, they're expecting a show, a show. It rises to a certain level. If all of your jokes are references to Rage Against the Machine and ha- let me show you how fucking hip I am, oh. you've lost them because they're like, I don't get what's going on right now. Because you're not in there to make people laugh. You're in there to make friends and fans of how cool and hip you are. That's mm-hmm. a thing that people do sometimes. Also, if you get up and everything's just like, fuck, 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 and you're really into politics heavily mm-hmm. and everyone's a fucking idiot. That kind of thing, yeah. What happens is... Now I'm walking into a host, not a hostile scene, but a scene where it's like, it's a, I got to spend five minutes cleaning this fucking mess up before I even get into my own set. Yeah. And cleaning a mess is always a bit of a gamble and a juggle anyway. And I could make the wrong move. You know, I, I used to, I had this one comic, I won't name him, but he was, he was really aggro, really aggro and wanted to be in people's faces. And he said, I want to change the world. I want to be a philosopher. I was like, all right. But his, I remember trying to explain to him, that dude that you're looking at, because he would yell at people in the audience, hey, you fucking, you fucking basic bitch, dude, with your haircut. And it's like, that doesn't sound like a great philosopher either. <laughs> <laughs> that, that dude may not like you. But here's the deal. He works in an auto mechanic shop all week. And with the $40 an hour he makes, he's trying to take care of his kids. And he really, really wants to buy a blower for the engine in his car. But his wife says... We never go out anymore. I really want to go out. So he's gone out. And is it, does he have his arms crossed? Yes, because he doesn't want to be there. Because he's like, I'm fucking saving money, and I don't really want to go out. And if the night's going to cost us $200 to go see, none of these comics are on television. I don't know any of them. Yeah. He's already not in a good mood. If you give him a great show, he goes, fuck, that was actually pretty good, and I'm glad I did. But if you try to tell him why he's wrong about everything, <laughs> now he gets even angrier, and he's like, "Fuck! This is why we shouldn't go out." His and poor you wife fucked too. up that. You, you <laughs> fucked up the car ride home, and all those things. If you don't want to do that kind of comedy, more power to you, and I appreciate you. Just don't also want to do club comedy on a Saturday early show. Does that yeah. make sense? What Absolutely. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, when I said earlier, be true to yourself. That guy learned how to tell his jokes but make himself the butt of the joke. And suddenly he realized, oh, comedy. I'm still making my point about the Illuminati and how the system is stacked against us. But he turned it and made punchlines about why he can't get a job. And he made fun of some of his shortcomings. And the audience would get aggro and then go, ah, you have a sense of humor about yourself. And I was like, look, isn't comedy more fun when people are laughing? (laughs) It seems like so much more fun. Um, So I think that's what I mean about your job as a as an opener is to put people in a good mood. It's not really even to do your set. And yeah. so some people really get in there. They don't really... It's telling people to clap. It's talking about announcements. And it's doing it all with a smile. So some people say, oh, I can't even get open work. Yeah, have you heard your That's, act? You're not an opener. Yeah. Nobody... The first thing they see is not wanting to be whatever it is you're doing. Or you're, you have this depressive persona or whatever it is. 
the person who goes out and goes, hey, everybody, hey, how was your week? How you? Oh, you look great. You look. Oh, you got the yeah. nachos. That's a, and some people say, well, that's fucking hack. It's beneath me. Fine. Then don't that's also get it. Then it's yeah. not your place. And, I, and I, I can respect you for that. But don't go, don't begrudge. I'm not getting a job that I'm not cut out for. It's also not a job that you want. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a job you want. You're not going to be happy with it. Yeah, Just so, be cool with that. So it seems like that's a traditional path you're talking about. Like, that's a pretty tried and true. Tried well, it's, yeah. it's really the only path I know. I'll and be that, honest with yeah, you. Yeah. And okay. So, so would you say for comics trying to get work, you should, that should be on your head. You should be like, look, I know you have these things you want to do artistically, but you have to figure out how you can be kind of marketable or acceptable for a club to be an opener or a feature. Is the that only way to make head? money in stand-up, yeah. actual stand-up, is to be on the road. It's to be in the clubs. Yeah. Or to eventually get to a level where you're doing theaters and, and civic centers, but it's to be put live, live performance. Yeah. Now, comedy can lead to other things. I don't think we'll have time to get to, to, to that tonight, but that, that's, I mean, that's, I set out, I want to, I want my life to be what I can, the term I came up with is comedy adjacent. Hmm. I've done other jobs, but they've never really, they, I always felt like they stemmed from the fact that somebody found me through stand-up or it had something to do with stand-up or the fact that I was writing. I've had writing jobs, things like that. Comedy adjacent is the way I look at it. But the goal for everyone should be to get on the road. When, when it, um, I understand that some people also take time to write uh, short films and make comedy, and, and, and that's all creative out, output. Yeah. But the goal, I would think for everybody, would be why wouldn't you want to be on the road performing live in front of people, and then when you're done, someone handing you a big grip of cash, you can go home and throw on the bed and lay down on top of, <laughs> and then realize, ah. It's gonna be nine weeks before I'm home again, and then it gets depressing again. But <laughs> but in the meantime, I, mean, I don't. That to me, that would absolutely be the goal for everybody in learning how to do that. Um, yeah. So so when you you said you started about in the year before you went FPIA, how did you get started on the road? Honestly, uh, after the contest, a, a guy who booked a room in Beaumont came up to me and said, "I really enjoyed your set tonight," mm -hmm. and I didn't even place in that. And he said, "I uh, that year," and he said, "I really enjoyed your set tonight." Um, are you available on this particular weekend? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. yeah. And he goes, well, just check your calendar. And I was like, I don't have to check my calendar. I'm available. <laughs> I'll, clear that for, I'll clear it for Belmont. It's, uh, well, it's just, there's nothing on it. Yeah. There's no, nothing has been put on it yet. You would be the first. You get first writer, writer refusal for all my weekends. And that's sort of how it started. Mm -hmm. For other people, you, if you're a comic today and you do, going to open mics, how, where are we on time? I can't. Um, so what do we what, how much time do we have here we should try to keep it to hour 30 to less than yeah to okay yeah, well, we have 30 yeah, minutes, 30 so like, minutes well, I'll do, we'll do this quickly you should performing jokes and getting up and we'll, well, that's that marker that I still want to get back to where I want to be a dick about some things please but the <laughs> you should dick mark it's important to get up on stage and be doing as much time as you can because that's a, a lot of how you get better yeah uh, I really think it's one just literally one piece of the pie um when we'll go back i don't know why i go back to sports analogies i'm not i don't play sports and I'm, i don't okay really know about like sports okay. but people just i think I, people understand sports somehow yeah. i don't know if you can tell by looking at me but i did not play a lot of football <laughs> but if you think about athletics whereas there's practice but they're also in a gym and they have to work out and then they do whatever that is afterwards where they sit in that bucket with the ice Tight, yeah. yeah i don't know what the fuck what, that, that the recovery I think, yeah, but there's yeah. and then there's watching tape and then there's learning plays and playbooks. Like there's lots of elements that go into it. It's not just getting on stage. I, I don't think they call it rehearsal. I think it's called practice <laughs> in football. But we'll if you call show that, you a little bit about about, about about me, but you get you get my point. Is that I think for a lot of comics they feel, and I think that's why some people never get better. Is they have written 
nine jokes and they, they've been telling nine jokes for six years. And, and those are the hobbyists where I really feel like get the fuck out of my way because you are literally taking up stage time from people who want to get better. And you're, you've said to all of us and your friends and everybody and all the, everybody in the city, you've said, I don't want to do the things to get better because yeah. all I'm doing, what is your hope that at some point you'll learn how to tell these jokes in just the right way where that finally they crush like it's never going to happen a joke gets one two maybe three times and if it's not worked it's gone forever if forever you don't try to figure out how to make it work it's, that's wasting time on that joke jokes either work right away and then you can make them better or they don't that's just the way they are yeah it's the way that we should be about our relationships sometimes we <laughs> stay in a relationship for way too long trying to make it work and the fact is it's not compatible it's not a, don't take it personally it's just it, not a good relationship get rid of it <laughs> uh yeah i was starting to wonder if you did research about my relationship oh no no you that? have but is that, is <laughs> that i'm done now but okay. it was yeah yeah uh, you, 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 the so i you Everybody who's on stage right now, I don't think you can be too young to also have a headshot and a website. Um, I mean, just simple, a lot of comics in this town don't simple, have websites. Yeah, yeah. Who should? And, and the thing is, is that it doesn't. Ha- the thing is, is when you're a comic, your website does not have to be elaborate. Because sometimes I'll see people put a lot of work into a website that's super elaborate. Here's what you need: someone needs to go be able to find you. So when your website is Try to have something with your name in it or something that's a that some way they can find you. Um, and then some way that somebody can contact you. That's yeah. really the most important thing. Now, if you want a spot in there for a bio and credits and, and some headshots and one video, that's fine. You also don't need 30 videos. Mm-hmm. One video. Also, don't put up the video that you think is the best. Go to some people who aren't your friends and ask them which video. Honestly. Because friends have a hard time sometimes telling people the truth. And I see some people, there's also a thing that's happened with the younger generation, but this sounds like a dad on the lawn, but it's true. (laughs) Um, We've lost the ability to edit because what we do now, social media asks of us, give me what you feel right now. Yeah. There is no self-editing. So every set somebody does, they put up, hey, here's my new set. Hey, here's my new set. What you're doing is you're showing people a lot of your weaknesses very early on. If you want to put that somewhere in your website and say, watch how I've developed or and write blogs about it and share that with some people, then now that seems useful. But otherwise, you should just wait till you have a really good set before you put anything up. And if somebody calls you and says, well, I need to see a tape, figure it out after that. But wait till you have a tape where you're like, this is good. And a couple of people say, hey, this is pretty impressive. This is a good tape. And then put that one up. Because otherwise, I'm telling you straight up as somebody who does this, I always watch a tape from the beginning all the way to the end because I think it's a respectful thing to do if someone's taking the time to send you a tape and ask for time. But it usually only takes 30 to 40 seconds before I know this is not going to work. Not going to work. I still watch just to see, is that, they pull this out somehow? And most of the time it doesn't get pulled. It, do, it just doesn't. It's not right. It's not a right fit. Any red flags right away that you're like, okay, that's, I can't, they're not ready. You or just they, oh, generally well, can tell when someone's green. And so uh, now I will make, I'll go, oh, that person's green. That's sure. fine. Uh, I make room for debuts on my show all the time for people I think are kind of green. And, I, and then I'll tell them, hey, you're going to come and you're going to do five minutes. And they say, I really want to do 10. And I go, don't <laughs> take it personally. Here's what I'm, do- I'm helping you as a coach. You're, now what you're going to have to do is be selective. And what you're probably going to do is pick out 
your best jokes, which means you're going to put your best foot forward in front of an audience that I've built over seven years that's very loyal. And if they see you and really like you and really laugh, they're going to be excited about you. And then they're going to go to your webpage or your Twitter and they're going to start following you and they're going to be invested in you now. And that's a good thing to have. If you do eight minutes and they really like you for the first three and then it kind of drags off, they go, that guy's pretty good. He's pretty good, I guess. But they're done. They're done. They're, you might win them as a fan some other time, but the next time they see you, they're going to go, oh, I remember this guy. He's just okay. Now, you might win them back over, but you've kind of set, set yourself up for some, yeah. some heavier lifting. There's done more harm than yeah. good. Yeah, maybe. so you should have a, a website and a, a bio and, um, and, and, just a, and a contact form even. Just if somebody can write you and say, I want to book you or whatever. You should also, very early on, know what you charge to do a show. Because I can't tell you how many calls I get from people saying, I just got asked to do this 30-minute show for this club at, at a university, and I don't know what to... You should know, you should know that you rate. to that? Can you speak to how one should determine their rate? Absolutely. Please. Oh, nice. Thank you. Here's how you. Here's how you know your rate. We all know the truth. Our rate is probably around $25 because we're happy to do the time and happy to be asked to do something, especially earlier in our career. Oh, do you want me to do something in front of 300 students? I probably would do it for free or maybe even a beer. We had exactly the But I don't really want to yeah. say $25. You can tell right. wrong. It's fine. <laughs> well, he's going to tell us. Here's, here's how you figure out what your money is. It should be, you should ask so much that when they say yes, you don't feel bad about doing the gig. You don't feel nervous. You don't feel caught. So that even if it fucking sucks and it's horrible, when you leave, you go, at least I got this much fucking money. Like, that's the number. Now, you have to. everybody has going to have to figure out what that is for themselves, but that's how you figure out what that number is because a lot of these gigs are horrible and they suck and people don't do them correctly and they're terrible and they end up reflecting poorly on you. 300 people watch you not do well because they bring out uh, a microphone that is uh, from the fucking Tandy Corporation. It's not even a goddamn Sure. It's easy to get a Sure mic. They cost 80 bucks and they're fucking everywhere but nobody knows how to buy them and then they plug you into a guitar amp for mm -hmm. a room of 300 people. No one can hear you and then they go and they don't go, oh, this person was set up to fail. They go, that comic's horrible. Yeah. Fuck you. So you better have got enough money that when you leave, it was worth you losing 300 people. Yeah. I will That's tell great. you this right now. If it's a school gig, I started at the number I started at was $750. That's what I told someone. For an Seven, hour? No, no, no. 20 minutes. For 20 minutes? They would ask for an hour and I'd say, here's the deal. I'll do 20 minutes for $750 with the option on my part to go longer if I feel like the show warrants it. Nice. Now, what would happen is so I got in front of a hot fucking crowd. I'd do 45 because I want, I want yeah. to. And, and then they felt it, like they got a deal. Now they got double your time for the same amount of money. They're fucking delighted. You're Guess what? A school organization also, this took me a long time to learn, it's not their fucking money. Yeah. yeah. It's somebody else's money and they're handing it to you. Now they got a budget they got to deal with, whatever. Now here's something else. People say, but if I say that I want $1,000 and somebody says no, I lost out and I would have done it for $100, right? I would have done it for 100 bucks. Yeah. But now they said no. Here's an easy way to do math. I'm just going to explain it to you. <laughs> What are the chances that out of 10 times, someone eventually says yes? Now you made the nice. same amount of money, but you only had to go and be embarrassed once. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And now you made the exact same amount of money. You made $1,000. It feels pretty fucking good. You're going to go back down to the Grackle or wherever the comics are hanging, and you're going to hey. fucking buy a round of drinks, and you've just got 1000 bucks in your pocket, and you seem like a fucking badass, and it feels good. Plus, the first time you ask for $1,000 is horrifying and scary. The second time... Not as scary. Yeah. And then guess what happens very quickly? You start asking for 1500 Yeah. 
and it gets and it gets much easier. And I will I have I will guarantee I've had people say, well, I was just quoted three hundred dollars by someone else, and I say, book them. Mm-hmm. If what's important to you is your budget, book them. Yeah. Well, and I don't mean in a cocky way at all. No. If you want me, here's what it costs, and I'll do my best job. And I will also do stuff like I'm going to go through the writer beforehand, and I'm going to go through the contract, and I'm going to make sure that we have the correct setup and the correct lighting and all the shit that I'm going to watch out for, which means you're going to have a good show. You're going to look good. I'm going to look good. Your students are going to be happy. Everyone's going to be happy. That's what you get from me. Or go pay that guy $300. I know who that person is, and I know the show's going to fucking suck, but that's what you get. That's what you get. So you know what I mean? You, yeah. yeah. And, and that's where I have a lot of confidence that I didn't used to have. But I know my numbers. And when a call comes in, I know exactly what I charge right now. And I don't have to go and be nervous about it. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about asking for 100 or 300 is that you're then undercutting the other comics. And then that's, you know, it's like... That's a whole other conversation. Right. Sure. But I think you're right about that. I think right. you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So... Um, she, yeah, she couldn't be happier to be right about that. Right. Well, Is that what you were saying? Well, and, yeah. Jer- and, and Jared and I were recently booked on something and I can't give too many details in case yeah. anyone ever, but, but it's like the time of the day where it happens is not it ideal like, for comedy. Don't like, it, it, No, I can say just what time of the day, like that's going to narrow that down. They're going to vote. It's a professionalism thing. No, I get it. Well, it'll come after the show. Right. But somebody wants you to do a daytime well, show. Yeah. 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 Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. That's the point. It's like, Jared, or, this show is, is very likely going to suck. Yeah. They, we need to be paid for what we're doing. This isn't like, oh, you know, a, yeah. a club is letting well, us here's, perform here's, in front of a couple hundred people. I, 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 I did stand up at for Motorola. Mm-hmm. They have a shift. They, they, they go 24 hours a day at the Motorola Co- Corporation, and they wanted me to do, to. they were doing a two-hour talk about oh, no. this thing called Six Sigma where you learn how to be a better employee or something. Yeah. And they said, in the middle of it, it, it's making our employees really angry, so we need someone <laughs> to bring some levity. Yeah. That's how it was approached to me. Do <laughs> you want to go there. talk to really angry people? Guess what the hours were? There was one at 6 a.m., one at 6 p.m., and one at midnight. Around the clock, I would oh, be God. doing it. Um, I, I kind of want to do that show for different reasons now. But in th- that's a- in three acid. weeks, yeah. in three weeks, I did I did them here. I did them in in um, in uh, North Carolina, and I did some in, in Arizona. I went all over the country. Um, in three weeks or so, I don't remember how much. Which, uh, I made enough to live for six months yeah. uh, of my life uh, just out out of that because I said, well, here's here's what it's going to cost, and then I'm going to do a really good job for you. Yeah. And it was horrible. It was horrible. But every time that it sucked. I could smile and the smile was real because I thought about the check. <laughs> and so, and then when the audience sees you smile, they kind of go, well, all right, all right, I'll smile too. It's, it's, it's a contagious smile. Yeah. But had I gone up there with a scowl that I, w- that I wanted to have, but I thought about the check. But if I had been getting $200 <laughs> for it, I would not have been happy. Yeah, that feeds back into the idea I find very true. If you're happy, if you're having a good time up there, they'll have a good time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. That Point being with life. Um, I want to get to one thing okay, really get, quickly. Let's get to that. It's, and it's then we'll a, do some wrapping up yeah. questions. Okay. Well, I had talked earlier about the goal that I always had was to get on the road. Yeah. And something with that that I'll talk to is that one of the things that you never did, especially in this scene, was start a show. Because starting a show was admitting to all of your friends that you can't get on the road. Because the only way you could run a show was to not be on the road. Uh. Running a show is not necessarily a credit in and of itself. I feel that with a newer generation... There is a thing happening here in town right now where everyone is like, well, I've been doing stand-up for three months. I guess I'll start my show. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I'm not saying that they're all bad. In fact, a lot of them are good and a lot of them are fun. The ones that are good and fun is because there's a reason for the show to exist. If the reason for the show to exist is I'm not getting quality time on the 10,000 other shows in town, guess what? 
you're not good. So spend more time becoming good before you run a show because the skill set you learn from running a show is, has nothing to do with doing stand-up. Nothing to do with... The skill set that you're trying to get is I want friends and I want a little bit of power and I want to be able to book people, whatever. There should be a reason and a service that is being provided by that show. Uh, I started my show because there were no there were no showcase shows in Tent the City at all, and I had just left the road, and it was very depressing for me. But I had just had a child, and I did not want to be gone for the first year of my child's living. I didn't want to do that to my wife. I don't think that someone should have to raise a child on their own, uh, what have you, when, when the option didn't, when I didn't have to. Um, but it was really hard for me to start a show. I felt like I was really, really selling out. Um, but the, but I remember telling people, here's what this, here's what this show is. It's people doing their best material for a short amount of times and trying to crush and build an audience. Uh, at the end of that show, I built um, uh, a mailing list. The point of that show is to have a mailing list and it's a good place for people to make tape. Like there were reasons for this and here, here are the goals that we're gonna have with it. If the goal is, well, I went into this bar and this guy said that he'd give me a uh, uh, hundred bucks a week to run a show. Don't do that. Hmm. Just don't do it. You're doing a disservice to the entire scene and there are a lot of you you that will probably hear this right now and you'll take um, uh, a little umbrage. bit of umbrage what I'm saying I've already I guess I've used it twice now and I shouldn't because that's really a word of the day you get it once um, <laughs> but you're going to get defensive and that's okay um, you'll be less defensive when you quit your shitty show your show is <laughs> detracting from the good shows in town it's also detracting you from your goal which should be writing and get when people say well I can't get enough time I can't really get time at the, at the Velve then the night the weeks that you don't get the Velve go watch what other people are doing learn from them it's okay it's okay you don't have to do all the stage time watching a night of comedy and doing five minutes of set you're going to learn the same thing you just you just absolutely are um you still need to get up on stage a lot but you can learn from just watching and when people say well i gotta go i gotta do it. it's nice to do three or four gigs in a night but doing a gig in front of a terrible audience especially an audience that doesn't a room needs a microphone it needs a speaker and it needs a point of focus yeah and half the shows that i go to and i see they don't have any of those elements <laughs> much less one of them and if you're doing shows like that and you're building a small empire of now i'm running seven shows that's a shitty thing to do how about run run show and make that one good or give it a point now here's here are things that can work um I, well i'm doing this show because it's in a part of town where there are no other shows um, I can see that. Absolutely can't. I will, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes because I don't know what shows you guys run, but when you run a show that <laughs> that runs over the Velve open mic hmm. or Cap City's open mic, yeah. I think you've done a bad thing. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand why you're doing it, and I think what you've done is you've said to those clubs, I am not interested in what you do those are and i and when i say those clubs i mean for for our city but if you're listening to me in another town you know who the a room you know who's going to provide you cash and, and real big stepping stones and yeah. industry stepping stones don't fuck with them don't fuck well they already full they're already full what does it matter if i have my show don't think that everybody in this business doesn't have an ego and that they don't <laughs> notice that you're running a show directly competing with theirs it annoys the fuck out of people right it annoys them um also that when there are a lot of scenes that would love to have a club, an A room, put on an open mic where you're getting watched by the management there. Most scenes don't do that. Yeah. They just don't. You should be going, making yourself seen and heard, and, and then the, and then the club manager notices. Oh, that person, even when they're not on stage, is here every show, watching and learning, and they come to all. 
Cap City has said, if you're a comic, you don't pay for any shows. You don't pay for any shows. Yeah. You come up for free. They notice who's there watching the shows. It's just it's just a thing that happens. They also notice, wow, it, you, the entire scene used to come out, and now the scene's way bigger, and we only see comics April and May. When a fucking contest is going on, otherwise, we don't see. And I know that I know that they I know that that enters into the to the Rolodex at some point. Um, I ask yourself why why the show that you're running uh, you're running, and be really honest with yourself. That same thing I said about about fame. And if you're doing it because it brings you some kind of you some kind of personal joy, it's a wrong reason to be doing. There should be other reasons. There there should be a service that's not being met yet. And um, I see a lot of shows that aren't doing that. And a lot of people have done a lot of work to build a good scene in this town and people go, oh, you know, I hear comedy's pretty good in Austin. So they go to your dumb fuck show <laughs> at, at, at Pizza Eddie's or whatever and they go, oh, wow, comedy's really bad in this town, actually. Yeah. It's pretty fucking horrible. Um, stop being a chud. You're, you're a chud monkey. Just be, remain a chud monkey but until you can stop being a chud, just go to the other shows that are providing a really good service and doing a really good job. Um, a show should have somebody making um good posters for doing something to advertise and not just on the day of the show putting up one tweet <laughs> it, the, the, what are they doing and i've always felt like i was not paying comics enough to do uh, a punch in the beginning and i felt like the trade was i'm going to get your twitter out there and i'm going to get uh, my job is to get you a really good audience yeah that's my job so i spent a lot of time um talking to people you should come to the show you should come to the show hands you know what i mean talking to friends and saying and then going to their office and saying oh well let me invite all of your friends and instead of just a random papering hey free show i would say hey guys i'm gonna put you all on the guest list now they feel kind of important but i was purposely going to offices inviting people i spent it was 40 hours a week i spent building that show in the beginning and i think it's paid off it's a good show people like doing it and now people can really go and kill i know that sounds very conceited but after seven years i feel like i've earned a modicum of conceit because the show does <laughs> as well but there was a point to that show and i see other shows in town where there's a point to them and they're good and you can tell which ones they are you can tell which ones they are by reputation and do you enjoy doing them um drunk versus stoned versus sober mm-hmm. is it a gimmick absolutely is it fun for the audience absolutely does it provide something yes is it is it different than doing your regular stand-up and is it a respite from that yes it's fun and there's an love that show Love it. It's great. It's a great show. Yeah. There's a reason for that show. I, I would. I'm not picking that one out exclusively. It's just I don't know a whole lot of the shows because I think and some of the other comics I think on your podcast have even talked to it. When you get when you get to a certain when you've been in business a certain amount of time, I'm not trying to hit as many mics as possible to whatever. You know, I'm. It's more selective now, and I also just lame and I fall asleep early, <laughs> so I don't get out as much. But there there are certain shows where you're like that's a fucking great show. It's a great concept. It's fun, and they're putting effort into publicizing it. I, I that's me you, getting off my soapbox, but it's the thing I wanted to say from the beginning because it is the thing in the early days of the Velveeta when we were all really mean to each other. Someone would have gone straight up to somebody, certain people in town whom I won't name, but I can see their faces and said, stop what you're doing. It's fucking dumb and it's stupid. And I don't feel like we do that anymore because someone says, well, who, who am I to tell somebody whether their show has value, but you know which shows do and don't, and you know which shows are a vanity project and they're annoying. Yeah. They make me angry. Can, can I ask about that part? Because that specifically, like, it's all, almost like one of the reasons I want to do the podcast. Why did they stop? Stop doing their shows? No, no. Why did they stop 
doing going to people. yeah because in some because sense, there would the, remember there used to be one scene yeah and we all went through the same channel and it was very easy to have a one message disseminated to everyone now this town can't even have one facebook group for <laughs> comedy i know that i'm a member of like eight of them yeah and i know i don't even know what they do anymore i don't see any actual discussions of comedy in there or somebody you don't sign me in a cap sign me in a cap that's what I say yeah yeah you know what I mean it's well that's a good thing there could but there could be there could be benefits to that where there's actual learning happening and there could also be people going to each other and saying hey I here's my roster for the week here's who I'm putting on this week nobody copy this exact lineup because now people in town that happens a lot now it's it's when I've taken time to book punch a very specific way, and then I see that I feel like it's almost lazy. I don't put my lineups out as early as I used to anymore because I felt like sometimes I was seeing people just take the lineup and then saying, hey, do you want to warm up for punch this week? And then I would see my lineup on Sunday. And then I would hear from my fans, you know what? I'm so appreciative that you would turn us up because one of the things that you did with Punch is you really turned people on to new comics and comedy. And now I'm a huge fan. Plus, they started the show right next to my house. And now I get to go see it right next to my house. <laughs> it's a compliment. <laughs> but in your compliment, you've told me, oh, you no longer are coming to my show. And I'm putting a lot of effort into it. And I'd like your ass there. Yeah. Um, also, it's annoying. When, uh, and another habit that annoys me right now. Yes, Am I good please. on time? Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. We're gonna get to Jared's question. We are, and this no, is the last no, thing. Actually, I'm, this is the last thing I'm gonna, gonna say. And anyway, yeah. yeah, this yeah. is more of a pet peeve, and I'm not saying to don't don't do this. I'm just saying, if you haven't taken the time to build up an actual fan base on your Facebook page by doing lots of posting and then meeting people at shows and saying please follow me, if you're if you're mainly it's some family, some friends, and some coworkers, and then tons of comics. And then you put up that poster of here's the nine things I'm doing this week. Mm. You've done no good for anyone, right. anyone. And I will stand by that 100% because first of all, there's no, there are no fans really on your Facebook. So no one really gives a shit. Yeah. You're just advertising to comics and they don't care. The other thing you're doing to somebody is you're saying there is no scarcity to me. You, there, there is no reason for you to get out of your house and come see me. I am available at all times everywhere through the city and there's really no reason for you to get up and turn off Netflix and come see me right Interesting now. Point. You should have some scarcity. Every comic should pick one show a week and say, this is the show I'm advertising. I'm going to advertise the fuck out of this because this is the one where I can get the most out of it. It has the best audience. I'm doing the most time. I know that I'm going to be treated well. But whatever the reason is and you should funnel all of your effort into promoting just that. Now I say once a week, really it should be maybe every two weeks. That's what you should really be doing is funneling all of your effort into promoting that one thing. You talk to other people and you say, Say, look, I know you're. I'm on your show, and a polite thing would be would to be is to to promote your show. I'm really driving traffic towards this one thing, um, so tag me into the stuff that you're doing, and I'll like it, and it'll get disseminated. Yeah. But I'm going to really show that this is the show for my fan base to go see. I don't think that's rude to do to somebody else. I don't because for um, somebody else, that show is their show, their big show. Right, they can funnel all their right. Yeah. But it also tells and and. Some people say, well, but when you do that, everybody's funneling everybody to the same five or six shows. Well, that brings me back to my point is what service is your show 
providing the community yeah. or anyone. And if your show is never the one that people are really, really saying, hey, funneling people <laughs> to, that's a message, a kind message from the universe, which is, yeah. it's time. guess what? You have more free time in your life. <laughs> you have more free time. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm done uh, monopolizing you off. No, I think that's great. And I think that that's going to have uh, send ripples through the open mic community in Austin, honestly. But this is it's why weird because I don't even know so many comics anymore. I used to know everybody, and I yeah. knew everybody's when, when when everybody was funneled through the same channel. You knew everybody's. You saw everybody debut their jokes. Yeah. On Thursday, everybody debuted their new babies. You knew everybody's set, and you knew their brand new jokes at the same time that they knew their brand new jokes. Yeah. Now I meet you know I meet people at uh, at club, and this feels good because I always wanted the scene to grow here. But it was here for such a long time, and I ran the Vel. I was a booker there for a while, and I bookered another club, and so. I knew the whole scene and now I can meet comics they can say are you going up tonight no and I make an assumption oh they, they know they know who I am but I, I haven't met them yet and they say oh do you do comedy and I'm like oh yeah I do comedy and they go well my name's uh, Matt Beard and I figure like oh they'll know then they go oh or, oh you're new to town I'm realizing oh I'm a stranger <laughs> and it's actually that's a good feeling because I'm like oh we're really building an actual yeah, yeah. scene where there are multiple scenes where, where people are sometimes insulated and they don't even know what's happening in the other part of the scene that's a, that's a healthy thing that's a good healthy thing the problem is all of those little scenes need to be somehow um, if we can choreograph all that yeah. a little better, it's better for all of us in the long run. Now, I don't want to do any of the work for that. Though. Yes, well, but this leads perfectly to Jared's magic fairy wand question. No, I mean we could we could, and actually, yeah. I, I'm no, not going to ask Ellen because I feel like you've been way more True. attentive to that question. Usually, I ask like if you could change the Austin scene with a magic wand. How would you do? It? I feel like you've actually answered that really well. Here's how I, what yeah. I would do: is yeah. if you don't, if you don't. I would change the uh, funniest person in Austin contest and uh, instead of, I think it's, what is it, three people that go ahead each night? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there would be two people that didn't go ahead who got a star and if you are not in that top five of each round, uh, you don't get to perform anymore. (laughs) 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 Next year, now, now, next year, maybe you can be in the top, that's how I would fix it. That sounds like a real cunty thing, but that's absolutely how I would fix it because then you would have fewer people and then all the good mics you could get way more time and when people go out audience members go out to see shows they'd be, be better. seeing better and better shows all the time and I know that sounds like a real jerk move what if you just had that's, like a bad set now although also I haven't put a lot of thought into that that's just really off the top of my head maybe should be six instead of five something like uh, that I, you know what I'm embracing Trump's America and yeah, being exclusionary sounds like a great thing make Austin great uh, again I mean I advanced last year so it's not no. <laughs> well as long as you're okay <laughs> Who knows what's gonna be. Uh, I'm super excited about it uh, uh, honestly and I wanted to ask you that too this was that's the question i've been oh, okay. waiting to ask it's silly but like are you still excited about the contest when the contest comes around it's my favorite it's one of my favorite it's, things it's, in the world i fucking love it yeah, yeah. i love it i used to write reviews for the contest we used to do, we we used to have a private before there was uh facebook we used to have a private forum and it was just for the uh the seniors table right and mm-hmm. so we wrote these really well, there was like another guy who did it who wrote these reviews that were shit on a lot of people. It was like a slam book. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. And some asshole in that group leaked it out oh, one year man. and it hurt people's feelings. Shit. And the thing yeah. was is like this wasn't written to hurt your feelings. This was an inside joke and it was funny. Yeah. And so the next year the person who had done it and we all loved it said well I'm not posting them anymore and the thing is is that the people in that group were also all the people who had moved to LA and New York and it was a great way for them to be part of the contest again because yeah. you wrote these reviews so the next year I just said well fuck it I'll write the reviews but I'll make them public Shit. <laughs> but I was much better about being a dick back then like I said I didn't care about people's feelings yeah. so I just started writing the reviews and I wrote them very honestly and then people would call, call me and go well I don't understand why you wrote this about me and I said hey, first of all my opinion is not important to you I, I don't I don't 
run the industry. I'm not the president of comedy, so it doesn't matter. Plus, all of this is kind of tongue in cheek, and there's something actually to learn in there. Yeah. You you literally did walk up, you took the mic out of the microphone stand, and then you didn't move the microphone stand because <laughs> you don't know how to do comedy yet. Yeah. You moved the fucking stand. It made you look so new that the judges discounted you right away so when i gave you that note it's actually a helpful you can note. learn from it don't get so fucking when people ask for opinions and they are i see this and those those facebook groups right now where people say hey guys i'm thinking about starting a show where the host doesn't wear a shirt and nobody else wears <laughs> pants and then you have to use the letter r in every one of your punchlines. and what do you guys think they put it out there. What do you like, guys think? Like, like, and what like. they really mean is, will people please give me adoration? Right. Because when people say, well, I don't think it should be the letter R, they start to argue with, well, here's why it needs to be the letter R. Don't ask my opinion if right. you don't really want an opinion. You don't want an opinion. You want adoration from the community, which is a, well, a lot of the reasons why people start any shows anyway. Because they mm-hmm. think, well, I start this show, I will get adoration from the community. It's not a good thing. Adoration from the community does not help your career at all, and it never will. Work. Sorry, well, sorry no, to be a dick about it. I think it, we're going to have to end there, right. but that's yeah. probably a lesson that or a message people need to hear. So that's great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the great thing about being uh, old and never being anywhere is I know I don't have to actually face these people. I don't have to face anybody. He's <laughs> mad right now. Exactly. Well, they won't even know who you are. Perfect. Probably. It works out even better. Uh, Good. All right. Thanks, thanks for Matt. coming on, Matt. This is great. Well, damn, that was a good episode, wasn't it? Well, I'm just here by myself, so I just can. I'm the only one who's going to agree with me, but. Uh, I learned a lot from it. Hope you did too. Uh, if you want more from Matt Bearden, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt Bearden, also mattbearden.com. And also he's on the radio Monday to Friday, every morning, 93.7. If you live in Austin, check him out on the, on the radio, Dudley and Bob plus Matt. And if you want to come to my shows, uh, I have a show tomorrow night in San Antonio, Uh, at the Blind Tiger, of course, at the Magic Time Machine at 10 p.m. That's going to be a really awesome show. And then on Saturday, uh, Jared and I are both doing the queer, the ATX queer bar crawl at 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. So if you're gay and you have enough money to pay for a, a bar crawl ticket, you don't have to be gay, I guess, but everyone else there will be pretty, pretty damn queer. Um, so, uh, join us, join us for that. And then we're going to get nice and drunk because they're letting us do the whole bar crawl with them. And then Jared and I are both also on the laugh out proud show at the institution theater at 10 PM. So you can join us for that too. That show is always an awesome time. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week. International.